Welcome to Club Management. I'm your host, DJ Shannon, and on this show, we talk to artists, DJs, and industry professionals on how they're changing their community through music. You can listen to the show on any platform like SoundCloud, Spotify, or Apple Podcasts. Just type Club Management. And this is episode 48. We're back with another incredible episode of Club Management. Thank you so much for listening to last week's show with DJ Tara. So much love poured in for that episode. It's absolutely like astonishing. So thank you so much. And also shout out to some of our new subscribers on Patreon. Absolutely thrilled to have you. And it means the world that you're supporting the show. So thank you again. So for this edition of the pod, we invite the club producer and pioneer of the new club wave sound, Calvo Music, to the show. Now, if you've listened to any of my radio sets or Twitch sessions over the last year, you have certainly heard me rave about the Baltimore native. Well, what is new club wave, you ask? According to Calvo, the roots of the genre stem heavily from Baltimore club music's rich history. The buzzing producer mixes sounds that have influenced him from various genres into bouncy and infectious club anthems. He just recently dropped a 10-year anniversary compilation earlier this month featuring classics from his hefty collection of songs produced over the last decade. I spoke with Calvo back in October about developing the new club wave genre, his love for video game music, and his most recent project with Night Slugs. Yes, so, um, you know, I'm Calvo Music, and it's actually Calvo Music, a complete compound. There's a German producer, and I think he DJs as well, that his name is Calvo. So mm. with me, calling myself Calvo for a certain amount of years. And when I found out, I didn't want to change it up too much where, you know, people wouldn't be able to locate me or identify who I was. So I just added the music and made it a compound. And um, I'm from Baltimore City, born and raised. And I started producing in 2011. Mm. So I've been doing it for about 10 years now. And um, yeah, that's pretty much the main you know information people know but a lot don't know that i started from a certain sound before you know the new club ways or really stepping into my own area with club music and just trying to adapt a new touch that people aren't familiar with or already you know hip to when it comes to baltimore club Right, 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 right. And, you know, for me, it really, my journey with your music really started off with the edits. Um, And in particular, it was a track that I found over the summer called If This Is Love, and that's off New Club Waves 10. Um, And at first, I thought it was an original track, not realizing that it's an edit, you know, and the fact that I'm always so really impressed by the fact when a producer can really take an original song and make it sound completely different and, you know, like almost irrecognizable from the, the original track. So I think that you tend to do that a lot with your edits, which I find so impressive. Um, thank you very much. 
um, that's a compliment that has popped up over time more and more. And I didn't know at the time that people, you know, felt that way about the music. Mm-hmm. And there's been a few times where people would ask me about the songs. And when explaining, they're like, yo, this wasn't original. Like, nah, I, I remixed that. And it feels good to know that people like the music and they, they feel that way. Because um, I hear certain things and certain songs in the form that it's in. And I'll like it. And I'll always feel like I can hear it in another, you know, format or give it another feel. Although there's a bass, you know, from what I'm sampling. And usually that's what I'll do is I'll take the melody and I'll take the vocals and everything else I do myself. You know, I, I add all of the different percussions, you know, the different kicks or, you know, samples that I want to use. Mm-hmm. And I'll just freestyle a lot of times. And that's what happened with that um, Xavier Omar song, that if This Is Love. I was freestyling. Um, I was still in the process of really figuring things out. I didn't really start, things didn't start clicking for me until a certain point in 2018 mm. with this new approach. And shortly after, you know, track after track after track, I started to see a pattern in what I was doing and certain things that I was putting together and a certain, you know, flavor that was coming about. Mm-hmm. And, you know, just really focusing on that area. I never really practiced or focused on mastering something or um, progressing a certain style when producing. I'll just do it in, in ways that's a bit of a con because I'll look back at things I've done years ago and I don't do it now. And I'm like, wow, I never really took the time to practice that. And this area of what I'm doing right now is the most, you know, disciplined I've been on, focusing on progressing in the area. And I like to just bring out a certain, you know, feel within the song. Like, if I feel it, I know that everyone's going to like it yeah. um, for the most part. And um, that's, that's the approach I like to take now, you know, we can get too um, critical of ourselves and I, I still do it, but ultimately, you know, if you're really sitting there, you're moving effortlessly to what you're producing, it has to be good. You know, you, you're really enjoying the process at the same time. And that's helped me along, you know, producing this music that I didn't know for a certain amount of time, People mm-hmm. thought I was doing original with the remixes. And it's like, nah, this is remix material, bro. And, mm-hmm. you know, that's why it's not on Spotify. It's not on Apple because it's not original. And some people were like, man, you should still throw it up. They can't detect it. Nah, I ain't going to play with that. <laughs> so, you know, it, it definitely is, you know, reassuring when people come through and they're, you know, sharing that because I always want to take it up a step to give it a certain feel that isn't really reflected in where it originally came from. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. But you can feel that. I mean, have you ever had anybody reach out to you like that may have listened to the, one of your edits and reach out to you and say, wow, this is actually really cool. Yes. They, yeah. A lot of people, you know, reach out at random times now wow, bro, this is crazy. Whoa. Like, and it, it's built up over the um, past few years. 
And I, I, I appreciate it a lot because even with the confidence to know if I'm enjoying it, you know, others will, you still risk that possibility. Someone might be like, yeah, uh, I don't really like it. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, have constructive criticism, you know, to continue progressing in the area that I'm in. Mm-hmm. You know, there's always room to learn more. You know, there's always pros and cons to, you know, producing the music. So um, a lot of the opinions come through and it just helps me keep on doing things. And then you'll have people that'll actually like, yo, you should try this, you should try that after they'll hear a certain song and they mm-hmm. want to see what I do next. And they'll be eager to see what I'm, you know, preparing to remix after the songs that they done ran through. Right, 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 right. I was watching the interview that you did with uh, Bok Bok and Helix and you were talking about how you were inspired by some video games, like Nintendo video games and how that influences your music. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yes, ma'am. Um, video games. Um, I'll also throw in movies, certain TV shows or anime that mm-hmm. I've grown up watching because I had an issue with genre specifics. I actually didn't know what the time genres were for a majority of, you know, my producer career. Really? Um, yeah, it's, it's really wild how learning about what genres were and learning the specifics it was a bunch of music that I've already been inspired from, and it goes into the area of video games, anime, and movies mm-hmm. from house music. Now, that's something that I've been more hit to because my mom grew up with that, and her mom as well, you know, loved house music. So just having that element of my mom around help. She um, is a fashion designer. She does crochet, and she's done fashion shows. And I recall the music that in the shows of as they're, you know, coming down the runway, they're listening to a lot of different house music. Um, so that one I was a bit more, you know, hip to just when it steps into the subgenres or the subcategories, such as deep house, acid house, that was a new form mm-hmm. that I really wasn't too, you know, knowledgeable on. So when it steps into German beasts or when it steps into, you know, different songs, in the rock areas and when i hear this stuff like uk i'm sorry uk garage for example Mm -hmm. i can recall a video game as soon as i hear the sound like yo so this is what this is right all right and i never knew you know this was a specific genre that i was hearing because i wasn't too into the music the way that my family was i was more so just in the video games so it's, it was pretty hard to really find more sources outside of the games that I played or the movies that I've heard, you know, mm-hmm. the official soundtracks from for a very long time. But now that I'm actually more, I guess, hmm, I guess the proper word would be, you know, I know more. Mm. I'm more knowledgeable on these things. I can still look back at the video games that I've grown up listening to remixing like, yo, I've been with this the whole time. I just didn't have the proper information about them. Right. You just didn't know how to identify it. And, you know, I put two and two together now that I'm older and I'm like, oh, my God. Yeah. Like games like Sonic Adventures, Final Fantasy, for sure. They had a lot of house influence, a lot of UKG influence. And at the time, you know, you're playing the game. You're not really realizing 
you know, why you like those specific sounds or, or those specific rhythms even, but like, yeah, now that, yeah, now as a DJ, now that I'm older, I totally get why, why I took a liking to it, <laughs> you know? Um, but yeah, so yeah, that, that was something that was fascinating to me because I always feel like I actually did an interview with uh, someone who designs music for video games. And I thought, well, yeah, that makes total sense, right? Like, you know, you get a certain feeling when you're playing a game, that certain feeling can also translate if you're dancing or making music or even DJing. So all of it's interconnected, you know? Yes, it, I agree. And one thing about the video game um, influence is, you know, you have some people who have different you know, influences or they come up on these genres that have nothing to do with video games. Mm -hmm. And that puts them in a certain area of a certain place where they visualize what they're creating. So when you're playing these video games and you're influenced by this music that you're hearing and you see the placement of the songs and the boards, the, the, the scenes that you're looking at, it gives you a certain type of descriptive, you know, vision process when you're creating your music and where you can see your music being when you're, you know, producing. Um, and that's one thing about club music that really pushes me to see what else I can do with it. What other things I can, you know, explore with and create through my influences because there's many areas that, you know, now we're, we're seeing club music pop up in different settings, but there's a lot that I have not seen growing up. And I always thought like, wow, I can see a club music song being in this type of movie or this type of anime or this type of video game. And all based off of, you know, growing up, listening to the music I was influenced by while watching these shows or, you know, doing the game, the game play. So it gives you a certain type of, you know, descriptive process to keep in mind as you're producing, you know, versus just hearing it as you're growing up, you know, running around. That, But that's also a good way of thinking on things too, you know, mm -hmm. being able to give it a bit of a feeling where it's nostalgic, where some people can put that feeling of their childhood in their music. And that may be something that the, the listener can reflect on as well. Right. Yeah, that's very true. Um, let me say, I have such a tremendous respect for Baltimore and the music that is cultivated out of the city. Obviously, with greats like Rod Lee, DJ Technics, uh, Techniques, I mean, obviously legends, but I really love where the new generation is taking things with yourself. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with uh, J.R. Neutron. That's the one that I listen from the city all the time, and I think you guys are really pushing this sound into new ways and being so creative with it but do you feel sometimes that there's like a divide between the younger generation that's trying to set forth and build the new sound compared to the older generation that are still kind of you know exploring with what was i 100 percent feel that way and it goes into a place of divide not only for the current generation but the old generation as well and I feel because we didn't have that connection with those that paved the way early on or the creators of the club music genre, it plays a part in why there's a divide in the current generation. Um, J.R. Neutron, I've never heard of him, you know? Wow. And I'm still finding out about people that's been in the city 
creating club music for a very long time. Mm. And within the last three years, I'm discovering them. But I come from a certain area of producers that I've known pretty much the first seven years prior to New Club Waves. And you'd think that's all that's out here. And then you come to find out three years later as you, you know, you're starting to make more progress outside of the city, people, you know, gravitating to your music. Mm. There's a lot of other people out here that have, you know, club music and you just don't know. And we don't have that connection where everyone will be able to detect where it's coming from. So there's producers like the dude Baltimega. I learned about him in 2000, I want to say late 2018 or early 2019. But he's been producing clubs for the longest. Right. Um, there's a producer, um, Kate Young. He makes a lot of good club music, but, you know, he has influences from a lot of the genres as well that I like, such as House, that you can hear in his music. And I learned about him in 2019 as well. And various other people just out here, we really don't know, like from a certain area of production with the new generation. And it just opens up a lot of, you know, possibilities with discovering this stuff now. Because we think that, well, not even that we think, the, the evolution has always been something that's gone on. But at the same time, the enthusiasm from people that was a part of the culture has decreased tremendously, you know, compared to who used to dance in the scene and who used to produce club music. It's not as many as it used to be. So being in that certain area with the producers I came up around and even with that divide, you'd think that's all that was out here. So right. now you see, wow, it's really a lot more going on. And I feel like because the vibe has started before the new generation even came about, that's why things are the way it is in a way. Mm. And yeah, you know what? I think that's really interesting because I feel like the new generation also does play a part in carry on, uh, carrying on that legacy, right? Like going back and obviously emulating some of the things that they've heard from the greats and then you know, kind of improvising and building their own sound. And I know a lot of DJs are also kind of carrying over those those sounds and, you know, incorporating them into them set into their sets like I am. Like, I'll be honest, I discovered Baltimore Club music in like 2011, like 2010, 2011. And it was then where I was really starting to dive in and listening to all the different sounds. Um, I discovered Charisma around that time who was like in a whole different, yeah, a whole different, on a whole different galaxy, <laughs> you know? Um, so yeah, I think it's, it's going to take a lot of the younger DJs, young producers to either hold on to some of those sounds, incorporate them into what they're doing now with their music, or just, you know, definitely archive that music into DJ sets, whatever have you, which is why I love doing this podcast so much because it really puts people onto different genres they might not know about, different artists they might not know about, and you know how they're yeah trying to preserve what's going on in their community. Um, did you get a chance to see Dark City Beneath the Beat by TT the artist, uh, her documentary? I did not see that yet. I've heard a lot of comments about it, you know, a lot of positive feedback, and um, I have a general idea of what it's um, what it summarizes. Um, 
I can say over the last few years, I've seen little pieces of behind the scene action that people would post, you know, certain photos that they would post. And when I seen certain pieces of the video footage coming out, once the documentary was released, it actually is the same stuff I've seen back 2018, 2019, where they've been pretty much working on this for a very long time. Mm. Um, I do, um, as far as the documentary, it does, and, you know, with everybody's pretty much, you know, giving their opinion on it mm-hmm. and be having a good idea on what's, you know, surrounding the documentary, I know it's pretty much the same as the other documentaries in a certain area where it goes into detail on certain things. Right but it doesn't touch on a certain area of club music that people are not familiar with. And I actually just made a post regarding that area of, um, on Instagram. Mm-hmm. There's, a, there's a lot of evolutionary stages for Baltimore Club that people wouldn't even understand mm-hmm. that it's the most developed club sound out of everything. And it's a huge, huge huge catalog where it's just not understood and unfortunately that also comes from when you have people who start something at a certain point and not embracing when someone comes and wants to do things and express the culture in their own way you Mm. know and that really reflected on why there's a gap between the older generation and the new generation they didn't want to embrace the new And it didn't really help when you don't know the resources that people like Unruly Records have to, you know, put this music in the place that it could really shine how it should. Mm. So the culture was very, you know, small when it comes to who was appreciating what we were doing. In ways, it did help evolve the dancing, too, because as the music evolved, the dancing evolved and the way that they were dancing to the music, what they focused on when dancing to it, you started to really be able to identify that and observe, you know, as the videos would come out. But one thing I learned, there's a huge, huge area of producers around the world that actually in various ways are doing this stuff and they don't even know that it's Baltimore Club. Right. So that's one of my focuses right now, you know, and then knowing that as far as the documentaries that are out, which, you know, all love to, you know, the people that took the time to put those out because, you know, regardless of what it doesn't talk about, you're showing some light on the culture of what Baltimore Club is. It just helps, you know, pretty much let you know what else is needed to be shown and what needs more, you know, like shown on when it comes to the content and explanations and you know so the timeline can really really be properly understood by people when they're coming to learn what Baltimore Club is a lot will still think it's about one thirties, you know on the BPM tip it's still the old classical feel like ah it's a whole lot that has went down you know and I gotta credit Rip Knotts and Matic 808 they um pretty much are pioneers of the newer generation 
-hmm. they took things that Blackstar introduced into the game and took it to a completely new level and producers following, you know, they followed suit. And that's when a lot of newer content came, a lot of progression started to develop. So, you know, a lot of that isn't understood as much as what's already known. Mm. So when having these, you know, conversations with people on who has seen the documentary or my own opinions on the documentaries I've seen so mm -hmm. far, it just gives me an understanding of what else is needed to provide for everyone. Right, 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 right. You know, I think it was a good starting point to showcase and definitely shine a light on the culture. But, um, you know, there was, yeah, I, I didn't even realize there was such a wealth of information missing. But I think, again, it's good that there's still some sort of attention being brought to what's the, all the, you know, creativity that's coming out of the city. Um, and it's funny that you actually mentioned, you know, Baltimore Club being around 1.30. I was looking at your, your tweet, um, you know, kind of debating between what are the key differences between uh, Baltimore Club, Jersey, and Philly Club, and you were really breaking it down for people. And I don't think a lot of people understand what the key differences are. So would you mind educating us on, you know, how we can tell a Jersey Club track from a Baltimore Club track? So in the current stages of club music, that's a very controversial topic because yeah. there's so many things that come from the original source of club music that are in both Philly and Jersey style from samples. So the things that are native to the sounds that were able to be identified as what was what, that starts to get mixed up when it's incorporated into other things. So when you have certain samples like the gunshots that was more so focused in the Baltimore club sound at a certain point where you didn't really hear that in the Phillies tracks the Jersey club songs were had a more softer approach with the groove that it had early on mm. but going forward at some point these samples started to pop up into the music you have a lot of people that chop very chaotically within all three of the sounds as well now so it gets a bit tricky, yeah. you know? So it's like you got to really do your research and really listen to the songs from these times to really know because it's pretty much a hybrid situation. It's a combination of a lot of different things. Mm -hmm. So if you hear the certain type of kick patterns that Black Star were doing and some of the stuff that was predominantly in Baltimore Club, you'll hear it. In times where it might be in a Philly song, you'll hear it in Jersey Club songs. Mm -hmm. But when you know that's where it come from, you'll know that you're in Baltimore Club. Jersey Club, they're pretty much stamping, you know, the Big Squeak sample. Mm -hmm. So when you hear that, you'll know you're hearing something that was influenced by Jersey Club or they have the tap sample that they use. You'll know that came from the area of Jersey. Mm -hmm. Philly had a lot of horns in that music. They had a lot of horn samples, and that's a good way that you can tell some of the things that goes on and how Philly, you know, orchestrated their club music. Mm -hmm. um, but one thing I can see, and this is pretty much a false narrative, Temple never was a way to specify what club music was. Mm -hmm. When you have the greats such as DJ Tamil from Jersey, DJ Sega from Philly, DJ Techniques from Baltimore, and you listen to their songs, 
that's in a 130 base tempo. Mm. When was it really about tempo? It never was. You know, you can kind of tell when you hear a DJ Sega song because it make you want a Wu-Tang to it. Yeah. You know, it's like you really got, it gives you a certain feel. Um, early on, I want to say probably 2011 is a good idea to really know what club music was and how to detect it. Um, you had people like Mike Gipp that was producing in New Jersey. Mm -hmm. um, and when you step into the Baltimore, you had Rip Knox, Matic, um, and what they were introducing to the game. And at the same time, you step into Philly, you had Swizzy Mac, he was doing his thing, DJ Exclusive, DJ Bomber Girl. Mm -hmm. And you could, you could get key elements to know when you were hearing something from who were coming out of the different regions. But when things started to get you know, incorporated all over in the proper information or documentation. Well, the way that people categorize things weren't correct how it needed to be. That's mm -hmm. when things started to get confusing. So it's really not, you know, a surprise to see a foreign person from Japan that's making club music, but he's doing something from Baltimore and don't even know it, but thinks it's Jersey Club. Mm -hmm. Or someone that's doing something and don't know that's some Philly influence that they got going on right now. It's a very controversial topic. And the best thing that I would say is really look at the earlier tunes that were coming out and how those were structured mm. and what was incorporated. So you'll get, a, get an understanding. Because at this point, I feel like it's all club music. You right. know, <laughs> a lot of people are more so are just, it's more so representing where they're from. That's what's going on, you know. People are going to put the Baltimore in front of the club because they're from Baltimore, and that's what they're native to. People from Jersey will do the same. People from Philly will do the same. Mm -hmm. But I look at it like hairstyles. Um, there's a hairstyle called onto knots. Um, yeah, of course. So, you know, if someone's from New York and has this hairstyle, and someone that's from Memphis, Tennessee has this hairstyle, they're not calling it the Memphis Tennessee Bantu knots, or the, the person in New York is not calling it the New York Bantu knots. It's Bantu <laughs> knots, and they're both from where they're from. Right. You know? And that's really all it is. We're from Baltimore representing club music. They're from Jersey representing club music. People from Philly representing club music. And then it goes beyond when it goes to the West Coast. You know, you have Wings, um, Ramen Boy, that's out here doing this thing, mm. and Cozy. Then you step into um, South America, Latin Club Squad. You have Equal, West Flex. Like, it gets very, very deep with where club music is to the point where people aren't just going to be done where they're from in front of this genre. The prefix yeah. isn't really needed, you know? So I feel like regardless of the different styles or the way that people structure or their format or how they produce songs, it's all just club music, in my opinion. Now. And um, that just touches back on something I've seen from you know, the late Jimmy Jones, rest in peace, mm -hmm. where it was always club music. The reason that it became a Baltimore club thing is because people from out of town needed to come to Baltimore to find that sound. Mm -hmm. But they called it club music. The OGs called it club. So, you know, it put me in that type of place where seeing how things have, you know, transpired into what it is in the current times, mm -hmm. I think it's more important than ever now that it's identified as club music because that's what it all is and we're all representing this culture. We all have, you know, a liking to what each area, like the, between the three regions have provided for club music too. 
You know, everybody down Baltimore. But for the most, you'll hear a lot of people down here doing Baltimore club stuff. But you have people that have a liking to hear some stuff from Philly and from Jersey and will do it. Vice versa, you know, from Philly. Um, I remember back in 2011, the PKE versus 808 days. And that was the Party Crushes Entertainment producer group in Philly. And mm. them 808s was a producer group from Baltimore, which Matic and Rip Knotts had started. And they would do friendly battles, you know, between each other. And you would hear certain people out there, you know, get hit to how to do certain things that they were pro- providing from Baltimore. And they would do it. And it's like, we all have a liking to what we're hearing, regardless if it's something that originated here or there, you know, no matter what. So I feel that that's really what's key right now is to represent it all as club music, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but of course, when it goes back or well, going forward, the next two decades, the next three decades, and someone that's learning about club music wants to know what is what or how did it come about, mm-hmm. the proper documentation on history is needed. That's about it, you know. You know, at this point in time, you had Black Star doing this. He was working with MIA. He worked with Diplo. You had Rara. You know, also in them earlier years, you had DJ Tamil and who he was working with, Brick Bandits. Um, you know, DJ Tager was doing his thing from out Philadelphia. He also, I think, I want to say he was a part of Matt Decent at a point. Yeah, he was. Um, mm-hmm. You know, like, that's the information that just needs to be properly documented documented um and of course when it comes to the evolutions of things of what people provided because once you step from that lane and you step into the rip Knotts and the medicated waste that's the area where you step into the uniques the slinks the natuses you know that they're all in that area of the myspace days really and you know that's what's really needed is to just have the information properly organized for people years and years after we're probably not producing club music mm-hmm. and you know those that's going to hold the torch and pave the way further than what we've been able to do they want to know this knowledge too mm-hmm. i think that's the main key but at this point i think the main thing would be look into what the earlier styles consisted of to know what was going on where it came from mm-hmm. but in the today's age it's all club music yeah, that's a fact. But thank you so much because, you know, obviously to the reg- to the dance floor goer, they're not really paying attention to it. But there's a lot of DJs that are still trying to build up their history behind some of these genres. And, you know, they don't know how to explain what the difference is between Philly and Baltimore and club music or they don't even know who, who created it, <laughs> which sometimes yeah. is the sad part about uh, being in this music world right is that there's like a lack of appreciation at times from from people about the history and that's something that i i want to use this platform to document and preserve and i respect your platform and i really do uh rock with that message because that's something i'm very passionate about Mm -hmm. because from the outside looking in this is just music to people and they like what they hear but when you really on the inside you know when you hear Raw at least dance my pain away because I got problems. People really, that's what they turn to for a lot of what we deal with in our city. This culture really meant a lot for people that's going through things. 
you know, same as anyone in Philly and Jersey. This is really a serious, you know, like culture where it's music for sure, but there's a message behind it and it means something deeper than, you know, the average person that's just hearing the music that they hear and going about their day. Right. It's very, you know, meaningful to a lot of us, especially when it comes to people from Baltimore and just the serious blow we took when we lost K-Swift. You know, I never had the opportunity to meet K-Swift and it really hurts that I can't even, you know, be able to show what I'm doing with club music today. And although it's not what club music was in the past, I'm still expressing my love for this genre, yeah. no different. And I want to, you know, just to show them what I'm able to provide out here that I honestly didn't see happening. I didn't see it, you know, taking effect in so many places, how it is outside the city. And that's something that I'm very passionate about. And I, I also am very serious about the message behind it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I can kind of get into my ways with people that don't value that. And honestly, that's just something that you got to recognize. Everyone don't have the same appreciation for the history that you have, or they don't have the same passion to really, really make sure the flowers that all of these areas deserve, they are given. You know, it's not that much of a focus, you know, they love the music, nothing more, nothing less. And I don't knock that. So, you know, when you're very passionate about something like that, you kind of got to watch, you know, where you put your energy into or where you put yourself around because it can be a bit rough, you know, when you learn like, eh, they're not really holding this to the level that you're holding it to. Mm. So my main goal in that's why I rock with your message so much is to really make sure where we have the people that will look for this 20 years later and they want to learn this history in the gems that come with this is so dope. Like, I don't know a lot about club music from the earlier days because I never had that connection with, you know, those that created club music. Mm. I, I don't, know too many of them you know last year when we from baltimore dropped that was when i ever seen scotty b you know show some love you know he never really knew of me before then um sean caesar as well i never really had that connection i can say dj sega for sure i learned a lot of gems just being able to you know chop it up with dj sega and it just makes you appreciate what you're doing so much to know where they came from and what it was for them early on. You know, when you don't know this stuff, it's very, very, like, I don't know. I really love it. And as much as I love it, I got to have that same idea in my mind. Like I know someone in the next three decades is going to love this too. Mm -hmm. So really, you know, have things together so that, they can have that history. They won't be able to experience what we've been able to experience. Like I've never been able to experience the paradox parties or hammerjacks parties that they used to do long ago. So thinking about how you have parties where people are out elsewhere in New York, 
You have PB&Gs that go to different places such as Baltimore, Philly, New Jersey. Mm. Um, that's something that is in today's time. That may not be the case in the next three decades. So to have the information to relay that to, you know, the next generations to go on and on, I feel like that's the best that we could do for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, of course. Actually, speaking about PB&J, I had a uh, unique on the show where she talked about, you know, how she really wants to keep this going and really help to kind of like um, connect the dots between all the cities and bring all the crews together. And I was like, you know, that's that's the start. That's how you do it, you know. So really happy to see her do her thing and so happy to see you carrying on this legacy. I actually want to shift gears here and talk a little bit about the new EP that came out back in July, Nights into Mornings. Absolutely just, man, five tracks filled with nothing but club bangers. And like, I actually, I played House of Helix uh, last month at Elsewhere and just people were like, what the hell is this? <laughs> like the bass just went crazy on the sound system. So um, let's talk a little bit about the inspiration behind this project. Obviously with Night Slugs, I'm such a big fan of Bach Bach uh, and what he's been doing with the label over the last decade and really happy that you two got together to do this. Um, so how did the connection come about? Um, well, first, I am very glad to hear that you like the project and I appreciate you, you know, playing the music for people to hear uh, i appreciate everyone playing music of mine you know because there's many talented producers out here that are also on that journey and you know there's producers that are dominating in ways that i've yet to get to in terms of production and quality of music and you know to have that opportunity where people see what i'm doing and they play this music for other people to hear it's mad love to all of you i appreciate you a lot um far as the project i have to shout out my dog helix because helix is really in many ways not even just for the project the fact that my music is reaching people around the world right now mm. he plays a huge role in that because he came through around 2017. Mm. at that time i wasn't doing what i'm doing with music i was producing a certain sound club music from the city which was catered to the dance scene. Um, it was more energetic and more, the tempo was definitely more fast paced and it was a more rough sound that was coming out. And he came through and he heard one of my songs because at the same time, the year following, well, the year prior, I mean, 2016 was when I really started to step out of a certain area of club music that I was in the years. Um, from 2011, 2015, my influences were DJ Los, um, Rip Knox, um, Slick. They, they were doing certain things with their music and that's what got me into club music. And it was just a sound that was taking over the, you know, the scene that I thought was just club music, you know? So following after that, DJ Dizzy came through with his wave of club music and a lot of my sounds were in those areas in examples of what the producers were doing. So 2016, I started to jump into different things of my own. And one of those songs that I produced towards the end of 2016 was actually the first version of Atlantis. So 2017, 
Helix heard that song and he actually was like, yo, I really think you could take your club songs around the world. At that point, I wasn't really thinking of that. So I'm like, huh? Like, I'm only in Baltimore. I didn't, I didn't even know there were producers in other countries out here doing club music. So I'm used, I'm used to what I'm seeing in my city only. So for him to come through and say that, it was very confusing at first. Like, huh? Oh, you sure about that? But months later going forward and just knowing that I had an appreciation for not only the original club sound that the original producers, you know, favored, but also just the ability to step into my own lane and try different things and experiment to see what else I could do. It really started to, you know, make me question myself, like, could I really do that? You know, I, I started to get curious about it. So um, I got to shout out Helix for that because initially he saw what the music could do and where it could reach before I did. Um, so 2018, I started really pushing that narrative, like, yo, I want to see what I can do with club music. I want to put myself in the area that has not been done already. So, you know, work was coming up. He was showing mad love. As he was showing mad love, he put me on, he put Bach on what I was doing. Mm -hmm. And that's when, you know, early on, Bach was just attentive to what I was producing over the, um, the last three years. So we come into the end of 2019, and that is when Hills proposed the idea of releasing the project on Night Slugs. Mm -hmm. And it was supposed to be a 2020 drop, but the pandemic came through, shocked everybody. So, you know, things didn't go as planned. But um, I can touch on House of Helix. That was a song from 2018 originally as well. And Helix came through with some ideas and he wanted to see what I could do with it. And mm -hmm. I was kind of ner nervous because I didn't know what I was still doing still. I didn't have this as figured out as what I would, you know, two months after that. So I did something with it. And because Helix came through with it, I named the House of Helix, <laughs> giving him, you know, a shout out in the title. Cause it's like, yo, you came through with this idea and I was able to pretty much put this together due to, you know, the two things that you provided. It was like certain things from the songs, like little, little samples I took. And I just went from there and like, okay, I'm going to take this. I'm ready to see what I can do with that. So um, that's the background about House of Helix and how that song came about. Um, so I got to shout him out, not only for seeing the vision of where this music could be, but also for House of Helix, even being House of Helix. That's really all props to Helix. Um, yeah, it, it sounds so good. Um, and another one of my faves is uh, Atlantis Level 1.5. I thought that was so cool, the way everything is constructed in the song. There's just, there's certain little nuances that you hear. Every time I listen to it, I'm like, oh, wow, I never listened. I never caught that this time around. And then you just keep experiencing the track in a different way. So I just, yeah, I appreciate your ear. Thank you for that, because Atlantis is one of the songs. I honestly feel like, and this is just from my perspective, you know, other people feel like I have a lot of great music that they can continuously listen to. I feel like Atlantis is one of those songs where years later, 
you can still listen to it. I feel like that's the only song I really have right now where it's just in a different timeless zone versus any of the other production that I've been able to create. And the point five was actually an extension. Um, I was preparing to do a part two, but I was like, nah, I don't really want to do a part two for Atlantis. I'd rather, you know, I focus on the style that I was able to create from part one, but also what I was, you know, coming up with from part two. Right. And I focus on something with that as I, you know, tap into, you know, more original content. Mm-hmm. So I took the part that I started for part two and I added that addition on to it because um, I felt like, you know, um, do you think you could actually extend the song longer than what it was? Because I think it's about three minutes to close to four it wasn't that long before the extension was added so i um found that melody and i can actually talk on that too because atlanta's 1.5 wasn't supposed to sound how it sound right now the melody was supposed to get changed because i couldn't find the person that i sampled the melody from back in 2016 i lost the computer i was using um so i only had the melody i didn't know where that beat came from i know it was a type beat you know how people make type beats thrown on youtube for like certain rappers or artists or certain producers that they admire it was one of those situations that i found the melody and at that point i was just you know sampling and remixing it wasn't really nothing you know but as i started to you know adapt more of an appreciation for where things were coming I always wanted to start tapping in back where I found this stuff from those people. So I could never find this person. I'm searching YouTube every year from 2017, 18, 19, 20, and this year. Mm. Could not find them. There's so many videos of beats that them came out. So I'm like, you know, I want to change this melody if we want to drop the song on the project. Um, the homie Written Knox was going to do the melody. Um, there was also someone through Nice Looks that they reached out that was going to create a melody that could fit that atmosphere, but it never came about. And I actually got the idea to keep the melody for the song because it just has a certain touch to it that I feel no other melody could give it. But mm-hmm. also, in the chances that this come out and it blows up and the person that made the melody hears it, they're like, yo, this is my melody. It's like, all right, cool. I just found them. Like, after all this time versus searching thousands and thousands of YouTube videos and he's not popping up at all. So I just made the decision to keep it that way um, for that reason only, you know. So I am expecting a potential, you know, spiciness if he does here and it's totally understandable, you know, because that is his melody that came from his beat originally. And that's all good you know it's no issue royalties and all you can have it bro 100 percent. i ain't really really i'm not really worrying about you know the financial gain off the project at all because at the end of the day i want him to know i appreciate the fact that he made that beat because the club portion of that and me developing into that area i don't think that would have happened if i didn't hear that melody you know everything happens for a reason i feel like that contributes to 
the touch that I was able to give things. And now I can reflect that type of zone on whatever I produce, where it doesn't have nothing to do with the melody. It's like, it helped me really form the sound itself. So, um, you know, it's very nostalgic, that song, because it dropped 2016, did damage, people loved it. I dropped it 2018, it made it into Fat Magazines, that's the 2018, and then it drops this year, and people going crazy, they love it. And I, I gotta, you know, shout out the person that made that melody for sure because not only what i did you know gives that gives it that touch it's just that synth however he put that together is just very very addicting to keep listening to yeah. i really love it um but i can see the 0.5 portion of atlantis that touches into more like the additions that that was giving it a more of a rougher feel i was thinking the marsh pits the whole time when i produced that like i don't know i just got a rock idea and i'm like yo i can see this really turning a crowd up like i can really see this pumping when i'm just going crazy to this in the crowd when this part comes on and i put that together and it sure enough showed me that people really really you know like that song you know it's really one of I think it's the best song when it comes to remixes that I've created. Mm-hmm. Oh man, yes, you can tell that you put so much detail and thought into every last track. Not only that, but every last track on that EP. So, um, congratulations to you, and I'm super excited to see what you might be cooking up next. Because I know I, I follow you on social media, and you've been talking about, you know, hold on, guys, I'm I'm creating something right now. It's gonna take me a while, but. You know, we'll be happy when it comes out, I'm sure. <laughs> um, to touch on that, and that's something I got to, you know, shout out Bach too, because I kind of learned a bit of patience with the details regarding this EP. It was a bit hard at times because I'm wanted to put snippets out of stuff, but I'm like, you know, I'm actually working with a label right now. So let me not do that because you don't know what that could cost you in the future, mm-hmm. you know, it's a certain structure of how things had to go. So it taught me a bit, taught me a bit of patience with myself. And I feel like that's really needed for, you know, what I'm preparing to do next. I'm really focused on original content coming going forward. Remixes, uh, I'll keep doing remixes. Um, I really want to start tapping in with people directly when I hear stuff, you know, upcoming talents from rappers and singers. And remix their stuff you know because i can contact them easier we can really establish some things and i i hear a lot of great music coming from people versus me remixing a drake song and you know that does what it does and he could hear he may not hear you know you never really know i really want to be able to tap in with people that are also rising up and progressing just as much as i am but ultimately i want to step into my original you know, man, because I hear things and I hear ideas all the time in my head. I just don't know how to do them. You know, mm-hmm. that's my main issue. And I see that's one of the main key factors about being a producer. When you remix an original, when you're doing, a, you know, remixes, you got a melody, you know, you can play with it and change it however you want already from the go. Mm-hmm. When you on the original path, 
it isn't that simple to get those same results from the things you're sampling. You know, you really got to put a certain level of time to learn and train yourself and practice to adapt that skill. Mm -hmm. And I feel like the ideas that I have will take me to a new level of being a producer than what remixes have done. I appreciate remixes because all I do is take vocals and melodies. Everything else I do myself. So I know once I got my uh, my original melodic process down pat, mm. it's go time from there because I already know how to do everything else. I've been doing it for so long. Mm. So um, that's really why it's going to take a bit of time to really adapt that. But I really want to be able to create timeless music and give people something that they can just continuously listen to. They don't just get so bored with it or they're not too eager to look for the next thing because we have a lot of that in today's music scenes you know a rapper drop a project shortly after they're looking for the next project or next piece of work because the way that they're pushing things out music isn't it doesn't have that quality that music had from the 80s the 90s the 70s you know like uh mary j blige tape um day like it's something about their music where we can go back and listen to that effortlessly and not get tired of it versus a lot of what's pumped out in society today you know it, it, you get your bumps from it you know nice beats and all but the content the message in the songs it's not nothing too crazy for me that i i hold it dear to me to keep listening to you know it's a lot of get money this get money that yeah. and I mean, hey, that's what y'all do. Cool. You know, it's it's cool to listen to, but that's not something that yeah. I'll continuously listen to all the time. It's You get bored with it so fast. Mm -hmm. I don't want that for my club music. I don't want to just push something out and it's just, you know, only enjoyable for a month tops, two months. I want to be able to give them something that's really solid. So um, I know it's going to take a bit of time Luckily, I've been brainstorming for a while, and I know so many th different things and influences that I want to bring out into club music with original. It's just a matter of time of adapting that melodic process and the things that I need to put this together. Mm. And I know it'll take some time. I, I see why certain artists take years and years to, you know, put an album together. Um, yeah. Cause it's it really takes time. Like you really get, when you're really trying to put thought into it. So I know it'll be a bit, but time flies so fast. You know it'll be here. You know before anyone knows, and it'll be time for me to strike, put more music out. We're coming out of the interview with me and Calvo Music. What an honor to be able to chop it up with him uh, back in October. I mean, his Nights Into Mornings EP was an absolute banger. It blew me away this year. Uh, and all, this, all of his releases are pure fire. So I can't wait to see where he heads next musically. Um, and as always, you know, I'm always going to be pushing you putting you on to the scoop in my radio show so make sure you're listening to those uh and listening to them a lot more next year as we head into a new year because i have some fun things planned so excited to share them with you as always please support 
club management on soundcloud spotify and apple podcasts by listening to all the shows and please consider donating to our patreon so that we can keep this thing cranking with more stories at patreon.com slash club management one until next time